Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Going to throw it. Slam. This bugs for you, Mizzou. And there he goes. How about number six? You don't get no better than that, man. This is the Mazodcast. Howdy, Tiger fans, and welcome to the BYU Week 10 edition of the Mazodcast. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. With me, as always, is the coaching search coordinator for Mac Rhodes, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? And uh, BYU spiritual advisor, Brian Goers. God bless everyone. So, Missouri had one of the most emotional, tumultuous weeks in the history of the program and came out with a big victory over BYU on Saturday night. Brendan, I haven't been watching the internet. Uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> I not heard any of this. Yeah. Well, Colin, if in case you weren't aware, the football team got themselves involved in political turmoil on campus and then... Head coach Gary Pinkle announced uh, late in the week that he would be stepping down, retiring from college football after being diagnosed yeah, maybe with... Maybe I did hear something about this. They, somebody <laughs> told me the Monopoly guy had refused to eat. Something like that, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Coach Pinkle uh, announced he has non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, a very serious cancer of the blood, and will be stepping down to focus on family matters. And uh, so, all in all, really... Really tough week for the Tigers to focus on football, but they managed to do a pretty good job and came away with a big victory over BYU. 20-16. to 16. So I predicted a 21-10 to 10, uh, victory, so I was rooting for the Tigers to go for two at one point <laughs> in the game. But uh, we saw a lot of interesting things that we hadn't seen all season long. We saw the use of Tyler Hunt in short yardage situations. We saw the offense move the ball and the offensive line create holes for the running game. Uh, it was it was good to see. Yeah, Drew Locke um, looked much better, much improved. And his receivers helped him a little more in the first half. His line could have looked yeah. really good. We dropped a 28-yard touchdown pass, a pass interference, offensive pass interference in the end zone. The one that really aggravated me was when Nate Brown – Scored on that little bubble screen. They called Jamon Moore for pass inter- offensive pass interference. But at co- the college level, within three yards of the line of scrimmage, you're allowed to block even before the ball's there. It's not like the NFL. And so I was, people didn't seem nearly as upset with that call as they did some other calls in the game. But that one for me was the worst one. Like, that's, that's legal. He's right at the line of scrimmage. He's blocking. Uh, it's within three yards. That's a touchdown. You know, <laughs> what the fuck? Mm-hmm. We need all the help we can get. We don't need Big 12 officials you know, taking a big steamy dump on yeah. what little offense we can muster. Being yeah. a non-conference game, they had uh, officials from outside the conference, and they happened to be Big 12 officials, and there were several awkward, several iffy calls. Uh, a lot of them went against the Tigers, although the— uh, I'd say the officiating could be described as hot garbage. 
Hot right, and but that being said, the replay calls seem to go our way finally for the first game all year. <laughs> yeah, there are fourteen penalties in the game, so they're I'm certainly just, were throwing the flags off. I was yeah, starting to wonder how many times Tyler Hunt was going to have to score that touchdown before they actually gave it to us. The second time he ran, he was literally sitting on top of the goal line, half you know, three quarters of his body over the goal line, and they're just like, "Is it in? Is it out?" And then they mark it at the fucking one inch line. I'm like. How could they possibly? Yeah, how could they not see that? And it was to the point. I mean, Tyler Hunt was having success in these short yardage situations. I was ready to go for it on fourth down and bring Hunt again. Just do the exact same thing over yeah. and over again until the officials had no choice but to realize we were in the end zone. Probably the best game our line has played all year. They pushed people off the ball. They had holes in the running game, and you couldn't blame torrential rain for that. Yeah, Hansborough had over 100 yards rushing. Yeah, mm-hmm. first time all year. Uh, uh, Drew Locke. Had his best passing performance of the year, even including the South Carolina game. He had a couple of mistakes, clearly. Um, one was was given back by a terrible, terrible uh, pass interference call. Uh, well, not a bad call, but a bad play by BYU that gave us new life. But uh, all in all, you know, even though he played like a college freshman, he he did what we needed him to do, and he had several good plays on third down. And well, you know, he did something with his legs and managed to uh, yeah. pick up a long third down. Yeah. If I had any complaint about uh, this game, and I didn't have much, you know, it is that there is part me, part of me that with Josh Henson <laughs> is, is that um, while I like the play coin, I felt like Henson doesn't always isn't always supremely aware of the personnel groupings that are in the game. Like he, regardless of the the personnel, I mean, if Ish Witter's in there, he still doesn't seem to have a trouble running him up the gut for no yardage, but then he'll use him in the screen game, which is kind of where I would think his long suit is, is getting them in space and running the ball. And But I don't feel like Josh Henson is making a definitive decision to do it that way. He's just picking out plays, and whoever's in the game gets to run that play, regardless of whether it's placed to their strength or not. But yeah, because Ishwitter had success on the screen passes, the outside plays, but he just doesn't run between the tackles, and we've known that all year long. Yet they continue to. Well, we've known that, but Josh Henson yeah. still still coming to grips with that. I think. I do think a big part of this, though, is that it shows you how tough the SEC is, and I know that people the SEC's down this year, and people want to hate on that, and and I'm not necessarily going to try to say that the SEC is better than let's say the the Big Ten right now or, or some of the other big power conferences, but. Missouri has has been the bottom of the SEC, and we're still able to knock off a seven and two team or something like that. Right, in BYU, had good wins, and you know, yeah, and it, it, it's hard to know what you're going to be up against with an independent school like that from a part of the country we don't play very often. Right, but Missouri was up to the task last night for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, a, a team that early in the season took uh, UCLA all the way to what one point, I think. Well, right. Drew Locke seemed to find his accuracy again. The receivers, like I said, although did not help him much in the first half, started catching some balls. And it's amazing what happens when somebody makes a play. And I think yeah. it, this game, for if anything, has showed me that regardless whether it was Matty Mock or Drew Locke throwing the ball, you know, this team has relied far too heavily on the quarterback to make plays. We know, and it's amazing yeah. what happens when the running game gets going and the receivers start actually catching the ball, then suddenly you don't have to be so critical of the quarterback. Yeah, there were there were some of those problems we've had all year still existed. There were a lot of drops. I mean, there were there were instances where the receivers weren't helping lock out, but all in all, they made big plays when we needed them most. Um, but you know, and and for me, it was just an instance where we haven't seen in in weeks or maybe over a month where the game was watchable. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I had I 
had some confidence because of the way the offense was moving the ball in this game that we were going to win. The only time when I feel like that confidence may have wavered when uh, Drew Locke made some sort of Teen Wolf transformation into Matty Mock and mm-hmm. threw a fucking lob pass to the middle of the end zone off his back foot that, thank Christ, got called back because of uh, pass interference. But other than that, I mean, I didn't see any real bad football. Yeah, I just wish that Mizzou had a wide receiver that you could just kind of throw it up to, and he'd yeah. go get it every time. <laughs> yeah. he, he would create. Yeah, yeah, he would create separation. I think I said this in the last game watching Mississippi State. It was fun to watch a wide receiver on Mississippi State's team, who you could just kind of throw the ball to his back shoulder, and and he was going to create the separation. You didn't have to throw a perfect pass, right? And, but. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. It pretty much is with these wide receiving core that we have right now with Missouri. You have to throw, it, maybe not perfect pass, but really good. They're, they're not going to bail you out. Right. We don't have a receiving core that can bail our Cam, quarterback Cam out. Cam Hilton had a, a couple impressive catches that uh, that bodes well for the future. And I, I liked the, uh, the, they, a couple yeah, times in this game, they they did the bootleg with the misdirection and the, the tight end running what was, equates to a drag route, you know, mm-hmm. horizontally yeah. along the line of scrimmage or beyond the line of scrimmage. And, uh, you know, how could Drew Locke miss? And uh, I just feel like there's been our offense has lacked some of that, mm-hmm. you know, just scheming people open. Because at this point, whether our receivers lack the talent or we are la- the experience to get open on their own, we've seen that. And so yeah. you you gotta have to scheme some people open. You have to run some misdirection. You have to to do something a little bit different. And uh, this yeah. is. I think as much as anything, it seemed like the offense was doing things a little different. Not just that we were playing better on the whole, but maybe the coaching. Uh, opened was, it up a little bit. Yeah, it, it had, uh, I don't know, improved a bit, you and, know, acknowledged maybe some weaknesses. <laughs> and, the, and the success of the running game, you could see, like you mentioned earlier, the dramatic impact it had. It made the screen plays effective, the screen passes. Absolutely. Ish Witter picked up, I think, 45 yards on one at one point. And those don't work when the defense has no fear that you can run the ball. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was, uh, it just like I said, it, was, it personified what a balanced offense can do on the overall. Yeah, and we got into the end zone. Multiple times. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And the defense played well um, for the majority of this game. They had a couple of stupid penalties, but was it was it was just a good, complete game by right. all phases and fun to watch. And at, at Early on, I thought it was going to have a lot of the same uh, di- you know, narratives that we'd seen in earlier. We got, got near the end red zone, I think, four times. It was the fourth time I thought we weren't going to get score. Mm-hmm. And how many times can you get with, within the 10 First and goal, and not score a fucking touchdown. Oh, uh, when we got yeah. in the first quarter, we got into the red zone and we fumbled. I thought, well, that was our one cha- one, one trip <laughs> right. to the red zone this game. Uh oh. Well, and then when BYU scored their touchdown, I thought, well, that's getting out of hand. <laughs> yeah. They're up by seven. Insurmountable lead. Yeah. 
but we overcame that. We yeah. just came right back and scored a touchdown. You know, and our boy, Corey Fatoni, mm-hmm. uh, hey, yo. Yeah, he, he only had three punts. Yeah. yeah. Good was, ones. Good ones. He was he's bored. Yeah. <laughs> I was a little worried. Like, Come on, coach, put me in. I was happy to see that New Zealand punter from BYU make it out onto the field because I was a little concerned, I have to be honest, that uh, something bad might happen to him. Yeah, they took to the sideline. I saw Corey Fatoni. He was just sitting over there, legs crossed, polishing his St. Christopher's medal mm-hmm. uh, around his neck and uh, not really having to pay much attention to the game. Yeah, and uh, as much as we love Corey Fatoni, it is good to see him not be super, super busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So one of the negative things I think that's going to come out for the rest of the season uh, is the injury to Terry Beckner Jr. Terry Beckner did something to his knee, his MCL. Uh, We haven't heard exactly what it was yet, whether it's a strain or a tear, but uh, he left the field in tears on a cart, and that's scary because he is so good. Our defense seemed to manage without him today. I do think, though, that it was the first time on a couple different plays where BYU's quarterback had way too much time. And yeah. I really have not seen that all season. And yeah, I wonder that's if that's right. a direct result of Terry Beckner not collapsing the middle of the, the yep. defense or the offensive yep. line. I think that's a reality. I mean, we did struggle to get um, to the quarterback like we have all the rest of the season. We made up for it. But, yeah, I think that's probably true. I think that had a tremendous impact on our pass rush. Yeah. Brothers still had ten or 11 tackles. So, you know, yeah, below still, average. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, uh, brothers being brothers. And he but, made a great play to break up a touchdown pass, and mm-hmm. he also re- recovered a fumble. So he was doing his thing like he always does. We did hold BYU to just 46 yards rushing. Yeah. Well, 46 I'm, yards. I think I'd read that, uh, you know, it's like the first time in like five years somebody's held BYU to under 300 yards of total offense, and we had, I think they had 290. And so that speaks to the fact that our defense is still really, really, really good. Well, and it speaks to the fact of what a rested defense can look like. I mean, that this yeah. is the first time in a long time I can remember these guys getting substantial periods of, of rest. I mean, we controlled yeah, the almost clock. Yeah, 40 minutes of, yeah. of time. Yeah. That is very unusual. And, it, I mean, you take a good defense and you give them rest and watch out, you know, because those guys can come back fresh and can do some serious damage. Yeah, that's the thing that we've been begging for, right? I mean, we've all season, all we've wanted was our defense to not be on the field the majority of the game. Yeah. And look what happens when you're finally able to pull that off. Yeah, we didn't run away with it by any chance, by any means, but we certainly pulled out a convincing win in my mind. Like Colin said, we looked like the better team on the field. And then after it was all over, um, it was an emotional moment. Gary Pinkle, he's only got you know two regular season games left. We're one game away from a bowl game. Two tough opponents, Tennessee and Arkansas, who recently beat LSU, so there are no gimmies by any means. Yeah. Uh, but but the, you saw the team collapse around Gary Pinkle during his post-game interview. It was clearly emotional. Gary Pinkle fighting off tears as best he could. He was like, I am not going to cry on national <laughs> TV. I am not going to cry on national the TV. The normally stoic, right? I mean, mm. Normally he is he is the stoic yeah. head coach. My so. only real fear after a big emotional week and just like – I feel like these kids are going to exhale today, and I just hope they're not drained of that emotion. You know, I, I hope they don't fall flat against Tennessee just because it's kind of like, yeah, this week yeah. has been yeah. a just the letdown game. Ring, ring these kids out like saddle leather, and they're just you know nothing left in yeah. the tank. It's uh, you know we have to rely on Butch Jones to toss away this game next week, like he's apt to do. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's you know. 
Butch Jones' inability to coach, I feel like, gives Missouri its best shot. It would yeah. be so great for so many reasons to get a win against Tennessee. It's the last home game for Gary Pinkle. It uh, would continue our dominance over Tennessee in a year that we don't look like we should be continuing our dominance over Tennessee. Over anyone. No, and, and I'd really like to shove it up the butts of those Tennessee fans who you know, were some of the worst Sour Grapes fans in the country. Sour Grapes. Yep. So. Yeah, when their season took a turn for the worst there at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, it, it just it has been a crazy week, and I feel like, I, I don't know, I, I feel like so many people who are in the Columbia area, especially Mizzou fans, like this just, it finally feels good. Yeah, they like, need There's it. something good to talk about. It about was cathartic. Mizzou instead of all the crap that has gone on. And, you know, you could, you could be on whatever side you want to be on in terms of the protests and, and the president and the chancellor and all that stuff, but this is finally something that kind of everybody can rally around a little bit and say something something good has happened and, and talk about the University of Missouri in a positive light. Well, I heard communications professor Melissa Click gave a rousing halftime speech. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And then she wrestled an Asian kid to the ground, yeah. punched him in the nose, and like, that's what you got to do out there in the field. Get out of that locker room. <laughs> and the team responded. So yeah, they just do it every week. I don't Thank know. you, professor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What an asset she is. <laughs> well, and, you know, there, there's been so much negative on social media, right, floating around out there. And so many of these, like, Fake, stupid accounts posting stupid, stupid things, trying to pretend to be, you know, Missouri people, and it just like this gives you renewed energy, in, you know, energy to look at them and just be like, yeah, you're an idiot. Yeah, let's, you know, yeah. It, moving on. Football, football, football. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 good to see the team turn another page. It's good to see the university turn another page, and and we're going to go into a home game or coming up on Thanksgiving. It's you know, it is refreshing, and uh, hopefully, it's going to be all positive from here. Well, I think the if the, the biggest positive, if there is one, from Gary Pinkle stepping away is that you've heard it last night. Uh, I think we've mentioned on the show, in 15 years, Gary Pinkle has not fired an assistant coach. So it worried me terribly that A.J. Ricker and the Josh Hensons of the world yeah. would still have a job, the same job, coming into next year. Well, with a new head coach, you know, a, a new head coach doesn't keep successful coordinators. He wants to bring in his own people. So yeah. certainly yeah. he's not going to keep Josh Hinson. <laughs> <laughs> or AJ Ricker, who are having terrible seasons. So you can yeah. you can you can count on some change on the offensive side of the ball. Whoever he is, I hope he can manage to get a hold of Barry Odom. Hell, at this point, it may be Barry Odom. Who knows? But if there's one upside to this, is I think we can kiss Josh Henson and AJ Ricker. Goodbye. Yep, yeah, and and we're going to focus in later on the show about talking about what's the future for Missouri. What does it hold? Who might be? potential candidates for the head coaching job and what they can expect. Uh, we mentioned in our midweek show that uh, there's a lot of vacancies out there, and it really doesn't help Missouri. I certainly didn't think when we were talking about it with South Carolina that Missouri would be one of those schools, but look where we are. This is a season I could not have predicted, and nor could anyone, I don't think. So it will be interesting. I have confidence. You know, This is Mac Rhodes' time to make his impact felt in Columbia. Yeah, this is his, his – um his moment. I mean, he and I don't. I don't think a moment he predicted he would have no. this early on in his no. career. I mean, he's going from having an established football coach who you know had a contract basically like twenty twenty to uh, oh by the way, Mac, you've got to replace the most successful coach in Missouri history. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think he was probably afraid. Like his nightmare scenario would be sort of like what happened with um, Steve Spurrier, right? Where you've got 
you've got a, a really well known coach, really well established coach, and just hasn't had success in a couple of years. And what do you, you know? Hangs it up mid season. Yeah. Do you do you can him? Do you try to force him to resign? Like, I, I don't think, think that would have this, been an option. Oh, no, I think season. his nightmare scenario might. No, have no, been, no, not this season. His Absolutely. nightmare scenario might have been a. Oh, we got a caller, guys. You ready to? Yeah, let's do that. We You're on the Mazadcast. Who we got? Yeah, you've got Carter from Columbia. Hey, Carter. Thanks for calling in. I just uh, I called I called after the Georgia game and I instantly regretted it. And, uh, <laughs> You're but, welcome. Uh, like uh, like the well up until this week, like the Missouri coaching staff, I am unwilling to change. But I was really glad what I saw this week, and I saw Tyler Hunt getting a lot more stats, which is good. Yep. And Ish Witter and Russell Hansborough both had pretty good games. Mm-hmm. And I really like what the receivers did and how they caught the balls. Sure. And uh, going to really miss Gary, but I think we should hire Tom Herman. I'll hang up and listen. All right. Thanks, Carter. We appreciate it. Well, do we want to get into that? Well, let's take our break, and then we'll get into uh, Carter's business and talking about uh, successors to Gary Pinkle. And so, uh, and amongst other things, we've got, of course, Kansas news to give you. And, uh, you know, who knows? We may have special guests coming. Till then, this is the Mazzotcast. Don't throw that used cell phone away. Sell it to Midmo iFix. Midmo iFix buys and sells used cell phones that include a 30-day warranty. So if you lost your phone overboard, the screen's cracked, or the phone's broken, stop into Midmo iFix and see Kevin. And if you have no use for that old phone, turn it into cash. Midmo iFix, located next to Emo's Pizza on Osage Beach Parkway. 573-694-8795. Midmo iFix. Phones fixed fast. Gary Pinkle and Tara Reed had a retarded baby. Its name, the Mazadcast. And we're back, everybody. And as we teased before the break, we do have a special guest with us. We weren't sure if we were be able to get him. We were trying to try to get a hold, and we were. We finally got on the phone. Freshman quarterback, Drew Locke. Drew, thanks for joining us. Keepers, thanks for having me, guys. Good to talk to you again, Drew. Big win for you against BYU. Congratulations. Golly, yeah. I mean, I uh, great to talk to you after such a big win. I mean, I, uh, I just, I, I'm, I'm happy to be on the on the show with you just because I'm, I'm just full of enthusiasm after a big win last night. It's been, it's, it's been a whirlwind twenty four hours. Oh, I'm sure it has been. I'm sure it's been an exciting week for you and for the rest of your teammates. Tell me, what's the attitude like amongst your team? Oh gosh, it's, uh, it's been a bunch, bunch better. Uh, everybody's a, uh, on a much higher note. Uh, I, it's been really, really. Really, really, really good. Yeah. Hey, oh, hey, hey. What's that? Oh, we hear something. You got a hold of those broads. Who's that? Uh, yeah, oh, sorry. Yes, I got a hold of the girls, and she's bringing a friend, Corey, all right? She's going to bring her friend. Two friends. I want two friends. Uh, I, all right, all right. <laughs> sorry. Uh, guys, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm What's going with, on over there, Corey? With Corey. Corey's over here. And, or Drew. Who are you talking to, Drew? Who is that? It's a Mazadcast. I'm... I'm I'm in the middle of an interview, Corey. Hold up, give me that, give me that phone. Hey, fellas, what's going on? Hey, Corey, good to hear from you. weren't expecting yeah, to hear from you. Long time no here. What? What? The, well, Corey's not good enough for you now. You call him the Golden Boy. Hey, Corey, <laughs> we talked liver, to you. Huh? <laughs> we talked to you on Thursday. You only had three punts hey, last night. Yeah. Hey, oh, why, well, hey, guys? Come on. We didn't you see know, as much okay. out of you. You're gonna call Drew? Come on, this kid. 
he's a good kid, but entertainment, he is not. You know <laughs> no, be easy on the kid. He's, he's doing his he's best he can. He's sitting here playing Minecraft. He's crazy. <laughs> I don't know this guy. Corey, it's my interview. Please. Hey, just don't get your Boy Scout sash and twist. All right? Just let me talk to this guy for a minute. So uh, what's going on, fellas? Did you see the big win last night, huh? Yeah. How, how, how you feeling after the big win? Oh, I feel terrific. I feel terrific. Corey. Terrific. It's would kid just relax. So uh, yeah, it was great. Uh, uh, you know, Gary Pinkle, obviously. You know, boy, bad news there. But you know, we got a big win for him. Big win. My uh, my little friend Drew here played well. Corey, can let me have the phone. Just hold on. I'm talking. Respect <laughs> your elders. I am 18 months older than you. Do not forget that. All right. Well. Uh, so yeah, go ahead, Corey. Don't want to interrupt. No, I'm uh, questions. Pepper me. I'm ready. <laughs> well, uh, what did you think about being in a game where you weren't required to uh, punt eight to nine to ten times? Well, actually, honestly, that was the only disappointing point for me. I mean, I forgot uh, that I'm not supposed to be on the field that much. You know, I was getting used to being on the field as much as Drew here. Yeah, well, did, tell me your attitude about the BYU punter, the, the kid from New Zealand. Do, do you feel like he stole the show from you a little bit? Absolutely not. Did you see the way that guy kicked what a homo. Wait. Hey, that's probably not hey. we, don't, we don't really go for that right. kind of talk here, Corey. Yeah. yeah. Corey, let me have the phone. All right, all right. I'm going to give you the phone. Yeah, let's this. talk to Drew. Let's I think he's a little more, he's a little more right, fit go. for, yeah. Kid-friendly. Kid-friendly, yeah. Drew are, you, Drew, are you there? I'm here. I'm going to go put on some more cologne. Corey, you don't need more cologne. You're fine. There's no such thing as too much cologne, Drew. Don't forget that. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry, guys. Uh, Corey's... He can be a little bit demonstrative, yeah. uh, I guess you might say. Where are you guys? I mean, you hang out together all the time. It's Sunday morning. No, uh, we're at the players' dorm, and like I said, uh, Corey, Corey stays pretty close. I, uh, you know, he, I, I, I get a lot of attention from the ladies, and and Corey, well, Corey stays pretty close. Yeah. Well, you're you, you were in Kansas City last night, a big win. I have to think it was a it was a quite a party after that victory. Yeah, yeah, I stayed up t- past 10 o'clock. It was neato, and, and uh, I had a lot of family and friends from Lee Summit were there. It was, yeah. it, was, it was great. A lot of cake, a lot of punch. It was all right. <laughs> a lot of punch, huh? Yeah, don't go too crazy on us. You know, we've had trouble yeah, in the past yeah. with our quarterbacks. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Drew, we don't want to keep you forever, but is there anything looking up towards the Tennessee game? You've got a big, big game against the Volunteers here in Columbia next week. Uh, what are your expectations and thoughts going up against uh, Rocky Top? Uh, jeepers, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic. The offensive line acted like they played football before, and the receivers mm-hmm. caught the ball some. And, um, you know, so I, I've got some optimism. It's, it's uh, going well. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm excited. Did you get any special advice this week from uh, Josh Henson? Uh, no, Josh is you know he's yeah he doesn't say a lot. I mean, the it's not enough, is brown. you know. But uh, Gary's Gary's around and he he likes to keep us um, keep us focused. You know, he's just a great guy. If I could take a moment to say what a terrific guy is, uh, you know what? Let me tell the story just to, to to let everybody know what kind of man he is. You oh know? boy, okay. Josh Josh Henson is an animal lover mm-hmm. and every week every week gary pinkle gets him a new rabbit yeah every week about midweek josh henson manages to crack that rabbit's neck oh no and but you know what every monday gary pinkle shows up with a brand new rabbit for coach henson i mean in coach henson's office is just strewn with the carcasses of dead rabbits oh, but you it. know what gary is that kind of guy you know he's consistent as you know, he does what he does, and for Coach Henson, I think it's just 
just speaks to what a terrific guy that he is that he has a, a fluffy white rabbit on Coach Henson's desk every morning. The football is brown! Sure, yeah, well, so that's a I just, great story. I, I felt like I wanted to share that. I appreciate that. Again, thank you for being on, and thank Corey for being on for, I guess, for... Uh, yeah. For, yeah, oh, okay. yeah, okay. <laughs> is he still around? And yeah, he's upstairs. He's upstairs, you know, I'm sure putting on more cologne. I, it's, it's, it's almost foggy in here. I feel like we're going to need a priest to get rid of the smell, but... Uh, Corey does what he does. He's like Coach Pinkle in that respect. <laughs> sure. Well, Drew, good luck to you next week against Tennessee, and we hope to see another Tiger victory out of you. <laughs> Thanks a lot, fellas. M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Well, guys, how about that? Another uh, interview with Drew Locke. Always good to hear from him. Yeah, I appreciate that he calls in. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really a big coup for our program that we can get Drew Locke, because I don't see him anywhere else. No, yeah. he must be one of our biggest fans, I mm-hmm, think. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it's probably Fatoni, it sounds like, is influencing him to, to do these kinds of things more often. Yeah. yeah, trying to get him to be a little more outgoing. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, let's switch gears a little bit, guys, and talk about uh, what we mentioned before the break, which is the replacement of Gary Pinkle next Ooh. season, and, and who we've got you know, as a potential successor and uh, who, who we'd like to see, I guess. And uh, Colin and I talked about a little bit in the midweek show, Barry Odom being a potential successor and the sense that would make. And what, what about other thoughts about other guys that you've been hearing and whether they'd be good alternatives? Well, I am a little bit nervous about giving anybody their first head coaching job. And it's not that that can't work out and be a great thing, but it for our established program that we have become, it does make me a little bit nervous. I feel like first-time head coaches are something that middling programs might do to try to have a spark. Um, I saw somebody mention the, uh, I think it was North Carolina's defensive coordinator. I can tell you this, if we're going to hire an assistant coach, I don't want it to be North Carolina's. I mean, if we're going to hire an assistant defensive coordinator, then we've got one on staff that's proved to be pretty good. But, uh, you know, I've heard people mention uh, Jim Trestle, I would be in favor of something like that. I can't imagine him coming out of retirement. Um, For for the Missouri job. I think one of the big names you keep hearing rattled around due to Mac Rhodes and his influence on the program is is Tom Herman, the head coach down at Houston. So the caller just mentioned him as well. Rhodes, uh, yeah, Rhodes hired him at Houston and uh, seemed like a a possible successor. And we talked about during the – before the break about all the vacancies and all the competition. The head coach down in Memphis, Fuentes, he's a hot name. Uh, he's going to be snapped up by somebody, which definitely will put a vacancy yeah, in Yeah, I read an article about that, and I think the biggest issue with that is that he's going to be a very popular choice for a lot of programs, so Missouri might have to fight tooth and nail just to get him. Yeah, sure. I think if Missouri's going to get an assistant coach, kind of like what you were saying earlier, it's going to have to – Missouri has gotten to the point where it's going to need to be an Alabama assistant or USC or Ohio State or somebody – someone of, of – who comes from Southern a high roots. caliber or, and, and a high caliber team in terms of you know having success and breeding success because I think that Missouri fans you know worked out well with, with you know Pinkle coming from Toledo but I think we've also our, he's taken our program to that step where we don't have to hire Toledo's coaches yeah anymore. exactly <laughs> right. exactly well, yeah and I mean that's another thing there's Western Kentucky's head coach Jeff Brom he he was a name mentioned he has head coaching experience but at a much smaller scale Doc Holliday down at Marshall he's another guy head coach but not on a big time program Brian one guy who came from LSU a guy named Josh Henson you know? <laughs> yeah we could 
Uh, let's, uh, let's just stay away from that altogether. <laughs> that hurts. But it, but I think that our our program has grown to the point that that that's, we have we finally have a chance to get those kinds of coaches. Like I don't know it it would have had to have been the you know assistant offensive coordinator from wherever. But now we could probably snag someone's offensive coordinator or someone's head, well. I, you know, I think as much as anything too. I mean, this coach is going to be coming into a program that's going to have a sophomore quarterback who yeah. is consensusly very talented. And already has a year of starting experience. He's going to have a defensive line that may lack uh, Charles Harris because he may get drafted. If he goes, he will absolutely get drafted. But he's going to have the Terry Beckners of the world and 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 the some like. Very good defensive. Yeah, he's right. going to have some very good talent on both sides of the ball. He's going to have a program that's got a lot of support. That's won two SEC championships within a very. Uh, recent past i mean it's a, a good lot. it's a good job right now yep gary pinkle gets paid a lot of money uh, the facilities have been upgraded dramatically and uh and and so the, the, it's a good job and i don't think you can discount the cachet that comes from being an sec team now instead of a big 12 team and yeah. as much as big 12 people may hate to hear that i mean a coach at that level if you want to coach in a conference and be kind of considered the elite the sec is where you coach you mm-hmm. know that's where you're going to get the highest profile for sure yeah. yeah yeah if you can't get one of the big like michigan ohio state sure. usc yeah then then fine pick an sec team even if they're down this year or down you know overall or even if you think they're below average sec team take that and build your name up that way and you could probably have any job you want i heard charlie weiss is available <laughs> <laughs> well, he did such a good job at the, what was that one school? I can't oh. imagine they'll want to hire him. I, the, the expense of putting in uh, power chair ramps all over campus and at the football facilities yeah. would be, I think, prohibitive. Yeah, the little trolleys that he requires to get around. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the budget for power wheelchairs, power scooters, uh, reachers, uh, all those sorts of things, I mean, I feel like it's a little bit cost prohibitive because you're going to have to pay a coach yeah. a lot of money, and then yeah. you add all of those things. He's getting that. paid pretty well now to not coach too. So. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I, I think at this point, I would encourage the University of Missouri to pay Carl- Charlie Weiss not to coach if that yeah. were if it was uh, anything. A lot of schools are doing that you know, <laughs> yeah. these days. I think what, wise at move. least two at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's it's totally up in the air and it's totally speculative at this point. We're well, going to hear right. a lot of names floated. I think between now and whenever that decision sure. is made. Well, hopefully, I think hopefully we can maybe have somebody on the midweek show maybe that knows more about this than us. I mean, we are so Just very anyone. yeah. Well, we are so very Mizzou centric that we don't have a lot of background to share with you about any of these guys. What connections um, are out there. Like I know one of the names that kept getting mentioned. I can't remember, but it's oh, um, Ohio State's like offensive coordinator or something. And it's like, well, that's great. I know nothing about him other than he's Ohio State's offensive coordinator. I can't even tell you his fucking name. Yeah. Right. It's so unfortunate. It's, that is the downside of our show is that we're so, so stupid. About <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we say it keep listening. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, it's a, it's a deal. And uh, my, I mean, I think, like you said, we're going to have to keep having people on who have a little bit of knowledge, and we'll we'll keep digging too as as this search goes on. We'll become more educated ourselves and who's out there and who'd be a good fit for this program. Um, at this point, you know, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think the program right now is focused on getting that you know sixth win, getting to a bowl game, and we won't. Well, I don't know. I think that uh, the minute they found out that Gary Pinkle was not going to coach again, I think that the search starts. I bet Mac Rhodes is consumed with it. Yo, sure, but we're not going to hear about it. No, yeah. No, no. yeah. yeah. And that's got to be overwhelming. You know, Mac Rose is in his first year still as yeah, athletic director. Yeah, Surprise! Your your all time winningest head coach, football coach and probably the most known person in Missouri sports. He's the gone one, now. Well, and according to all the sports guys, we don't have to worry about basketball anymore. Everything is fixed because we beat Wofford. <laughs> well, 
I think uh, the, uh, there is an upside that we may hear a little bit about this, you know, because obviously not from Mac Rhodes, but the great thing about these coaches is they have agents and they like to leak information That's because true. they like playing teams against one another for their highest amount of the money they can get. So we may get uh, little rumblings of guys who are expressed interest. I know that, for instance, um, Memphis's coach is already, you know, the Virginia Tech, I think it is, has already like been out there and said, yeah. or South Carolina, actually has already said that, you know, there's mutual interest. Right. And so it's kind of like, hmm, there you go. So. Yeah, Virginia Tech, USC, South Carolina, all jobs. Well, who knows Georgia? We keep talking about Georgia. Um, I'd take Mark Richt. I mean, if they get shit can him, I don't think they honestly will. Um, but if they do, I would, I could, I could get on board with a Mark Richt administration here at Mizzou. Yeah. I think he is a underrated coach at Georgia from the standpoint of Georgia's unrealistic, stupid, just batshit crazy uh, expectations. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? I, I think Mark Richt is a pretty good coach and that Georgia just expects way too much of their program. I and mean, then, you know, Herschel Walker ain't walking through them fucking doors, guys, and you haven't really been, you know, relevant as far as the national championship scenes in a long time. And so for you to have those aspirations and expect Mark Richt to deliver on that is, I think, it's foolish. Sure. And, and you, you know, we've seen coaches from smaller schools succeed in the SEC. Certainly Reverend Hughes did well at Ole Miss. Uh, you know, Dan Mullen came from a smaller school. Those guys can make it work in te- in, with schools that, you know, have equal or lesser reputations than the University of Missouri, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Anyway, should we, uh, should we move on to Kansas news, guys? Yeah. All right, let's do that. I always heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas. Sunshine, sunflowers, sons of bitches. This is Kansas News. Our first story comes from KWCH in uh, Kansas City. The size of Kansas foster care population is up 18%. Hmm. The size of Kansas foster care population has swelled 18% over the last six years. Child welfare advocates are blaming high turnover amongst caseworkers, parental drug addiction, and cuts to programs that help poor families. Douglas County CASA Executive Director Diana Frederick said something needs to be done. Her agency provides volunteer court-appointed special advocates to work with abused and neglected children in state custody. Well, Governor Brownback's policy on all these sorts of things seems to be, if it helps people, get rid of it. Sure. So um, that probably plays a part in it. She said the problem problem is so bad that her office has seen a child child with five case (laughs) managers in eight months. State data shows the 2009 fiscal year is the last time more children were exiting the system each month than entering. The foster care monthly average jumped by 6,000 children last year, which ended uh, the fiscal year, which ended on June 30th. So, uh, you know, bad times to be an orphan in Kansas, although it's always a bad time to be anybody in Kansas. So, uh, next story. Kansas woman admits embezzling $471,000 from employer. A Kansas woman has pled guilty to charges accusing her of embezzling 471000 from her employee employer. The Office of the U.S. Attorney in the Western District said in a release that Kimberly Joyce Paget of Osawatomi, Kansas, pleaded guilty Thursday to five counts of wire fraud. The prosecutor's office said Paget admitted embezzling about 471000 from Reliant Financial Services. Amongst her duty at the company, 
duties at the company was paying bills and preparing paychecks. She's accused of writing $350,000 in checks to herself and using the company credit card to pay for such things as clothing, jewelry, and hotel rooms. She faces up to 20 years in federal prison without parole. The bookkeeping there must have been exemplary mm-hmm. if she could get, a, get close to half a million dollars before anybody seemed to notice. Yeah, yeah. especially when you're just out buying yourself stuff. Like that, that seems like the most blatant kind of... Yeah, I think it, it speaks to uh, just the wisdom of letting a Kansas yeah. resident manage your books. I mean, that's a lot of turquoise Indian jewelry. <laughs> Next story. Man accused of attempted murder still can serve in the Kansas National Guard. Holton, Kansas, and uh, Oz- Ozaki, Kansas man will be allowed to continue his service in the Kansas National Guard despite being charged with attempted second-degree murder. <laughs> The Holton Recorder reported that Joshua Myers, age 23, will be allowed to participate in guard activities while his case makes it through the court system. The Jackson County Sheriff's Office reported that Myers fired a handgun from his vehicle at another man standing across the street from him. The man was not injured. Myers was released on bond and can participate in guard activities as long as he is under supervision at all times and does not have access to firearms. So Yeah, because nobody has access to firearms in, in the in, military. Yeah. Or, nor in Kansas, right? Yeah. yeah. But the, the other crazy thing about that, why do you want him back? He missed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, Brian. Well, if, the, if, they, if he eventually does get kicked out, like I said, there's always plenty of militias to join in Kansas, so this guy's going to find a home. Does the Kansas National Guard need potato peelers that bad? <laughs> a guy without a gun. Well, right, because like, you know, the first part is obviously like, why the heck do you want someone who is shooting at you know civilians in your national guard right well but, but i think then why do you want someone who's shooting and missing yeah america's military needs a vanguard and i think that over the years kansas residents have proven to be great human shields <laughs> and so they just take everyone they can get like hey um we got to fight this battle and we've got you know we don't want to squander precious resources on it so let's just throw the uh, slack-jawed yokels of kansas right headlong front. into the gunfire and uh it's yeah. part of the strategy. Well, overall. I have to think the Kansas National Guard is probably impressed with his uh, quick trigger action. The fact that he loves to fire a gun at people, that's just what they're looking for. So anyway, the last story. Kansas Jayhawks played a football game this weekend, and unlike our Missouri Tigers, they, they fell to TCU. This must have been a bloodbath. Well, you'd think it would be a bloodbath. The number 15 in the country, TCU, Horn Frogs, uh, they they looked good all year, and they played the Kansas Jayhawks. Who couldn't beat the Jayhawks? Yet they barely pulled off the victory, twenty three to seventeen. And TCU known for being a light up the scoreboard offense. Well, it just shows the power of the Big Twelve. I think. <laughs> yeah, well, they're I, great top to bottom. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's really Kansas's best game of the year since they don't have a win, almost winning against a good team. Is, was, is, I, yeah, I'm surprised the goalpost. The high like, yeah, I was just going to ask: Was this an away game? Because for Kansas, because that would explain why there's still goal goalposts. Yeah. If it was a home game. You got to think, hey, close enough. Let's go do this. <laughs> yeah, they're on top of the world right now. They lost close. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah. I just feel like at a Kansas home game, there's going to be somebody in the crowd with a welding torch, cut that thing right down. <laughs> they're just waiting for the game. Yeah, yeah, they're just waiting for the one victory. Exactly. Well, that'll do it for Kansas News this week, folks. Thanks for tuning in. I think we're going to take our final break for the day, and then we're going to look at the rest of the league, because it was an interesting week in college football, both in the SEC and abroad. So we're going to take a breather, and we'll be back with a little around the horn from the SEC.
They stink worse than Josh Augusta's jockstrap. The Mazzotcast. As we mentioned before the break, it was an interesting week in uh, college football outside of Kansas City, and so uh, we're going to take a little roll around the horn with the SEC. Jesus loves football. Brian, who you got first? Well, first up, uh, it was in the SEC. There weren't too many surprises. Okay, so Georgia knocked off Auburn twenty to thirteen. Mm-hmm. Let's get started. Oh, Paul, oh. sorry, we forgot to mention. Yeah, yeah. and he just we, snuck up on us. Yeah, let's just fire him up. Make sure he's running well. Nick Saban. Nick Saban. Okay, there you go. Thanks for joining us, Paul. And it's important to have Paul with us because we're talking about Alabama. You said. Uh, well, we, we will be here shortly, okay, sorry. but uh, I know Paul likes to distract and talk about Alabama sure as much as he possibly can. Alabama. Thank you, Paul. So Georgia, in a whatever game <laughs> against Auburn, that's what that yeah. kind of feels like. Florida continues winning in the, the East. They're, they've only have one loss on the season. They knocked off South Carolina. A bit of a close one um, you know, for Florida's taste, especially the way the season's gone for South Carolina, I would think. What, 24-14? to Yep, 24-14. to I'm sure that they would have liked to have put some distance on it, but... I think at this point they'll just take that win and walk away. Mm-hmm. Tennessee knocked off North Texas in a blowout. Uh, Vanderbilt beat Kentucky. On Vanderbilt's on a little bit of a roll here. I know yeah, they, they're they're not a team to be trifled with. Yeah, they um, unfortunately knocked us off, obviously, but mm-hmm. they're a four and six record, and I think two or three SEC wins now. Yeah, which is not their style. Right, um, <laughs> it hasn't been the last few years. Texas A&M beat a uh, Western Carolina team. Badly. Then, yeah, badly. And then in the, the two big games in the SEC, these are the ones that mattered. Alabama knocks off Mississippi State fairly nonchalantly. Nick Saban. That's right. Yeah, uh, it was a 31-6 to shellacking by uh, the Crimson Tide over the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Yeah, I think that they're just pretty much proving that, that they are the team to beat in the SEC. Yeah. They haven't they haven't quite clinched. I mean, technically, I think um, Ole Miss can still knock them off if Ole Miss wins out. And, no, and, no. Oh, okay, uh, and Alabama would need to lose to Auburn. No, which, no. Yeah, Paul has his thoughts on that. Yeah, Auburn isn't that good as we as you mentioned. Georgia beat them. They can right. run away with it, but they did pull out the victory. Georgia yeah. did. In the Iron Bowl, you know, I, I feel like it's. Uh, I mean, I don't want to put too much onto it, but. You know, you remember the old Missouri Kansas when Kansas would just be bad, Missouri would be good, and that game would still be closer than it should be because it's yes, a rivalry game. I mean, mm-hmm. so you know, I guess you never know. Yeah, what well, we should mention, by the way, you're not hearing Colin on the show. He got an emergency text from Mac Rhodes um, that said Charlie Weiss was on campus, and mm-hmm. Colin uh, got sent out to make sure that Charlie Weiss got sent back out of town and yeah. was not anywhere yeah. to be seen near the coaching staff. So he's uh, laying Quiznos subs down on the road mm-hmm. to try All the to, way to the to interstate. Distri- yeah, kind of like a little line of chips, you know, that, yeah. that gets the squirrel to run away, chasing him with his jazzy scooter. Yeah, yeah. So sorry to interrupt. No, and then the the last SEC game, which was quite a shocker. The, yeah, the shocker of, of the week by far is LSU. I, I believe was playing host to Arkansas. LSU in a game that I'm pretty sure Paul picked fairly easily. LSU, right? And they lost. They lost to Arkansas, thirty-one to fourteen. That's a, that's a shocker. Yeah, right. Not not even a, a you know 
small loss. And and the the crazy thing is, you know, the the Razorbacks ran the ball all over LSU. You're right about that. So they they had almost I think it was like 299 yards rushing Oof. compared to LSU's 60 or something like right. that. Right, handling Leonard Fournette like that is something to be yeah. be behold. Yeah. yeah, they they really. I don't know that that anybody would have predicted that. Yeah, no, definitely not. Not the way LSU's been playing, and they've had a rough streak with their game against um, Alabama, and now this real shocker against Arkansas that's really thrown the SEC West for a loop. Yeah, and and I mean, have LSU? You could chalk that up to kind of a trap game after a big loss. You know, their their season they kind of viewed it as that was it, right? They had their chance against Alabama. If they beat Alabama, they go on, you know, play for the SEC championship, make the final four. Mm -hmm. But with that loss, it more or less knocked them out. And maybe that's what this was a little bit of a letdown as, as they kind of look forward to think like, well, crap, you know, we're not going to make the playoff anymore, but this, this guarantees it. I mean, this, this guarantees that, that they're, they don't have H any chance whatsoever at the Final Four. Sure. No. No, if we're going to have a representative out of the SEC, it's got to be Alabama. Nick Saban. So, um, Brian, get out of the SEC for a little bit. There was a lot of shakeups all around the country. The Pac-12 has been suffering. I think, what, did Stanford get beat by Oregon last night? Um, you know, uh, Oklahoma State, I think, remains the only undefeated team in the Big 12 after being Baylor. That was a big statement game for them. Yeah, well, Oklahoma knocked Oklahoma, off, but, yeah, knocked off Baylor. But, which helped Oklahoma State, Yes, yes. Say, yeah. And that, that was probably the biggest game as we look specifically at the Final Four because people were saying Baylor was getting snubbed and shouldn't have been in there. Well, I don't think you'll hear many of people saying that anymore at this point. Um, yeah, I think uh, – didn't Temple get beat as well this weekend? And and be, the reason that matters, I think, is yeah. because Notre Dame wanted to be a dark horse candidate for the playoff picture. And uh, with Stanford losing and Temple losing, you know, it, it's uh, – their their playoff picture gets a lot bleaker. Well, yeah, I mean, but they, they're still ranked number four, I believe. So in theory, if they went out, you know, I, they could stay in – the playoff, just as kind of that team that, yeah, they don't have great strengths or schedule, but they, they don't also have a loss. So. Right. Yeah, Michigan struggled this week again against, I believe, Indiana. Yeah, Indiana's become this team that is kind of like the, the Appalachian killers. State, you know, where yeah. they knock off people they're not supposed to. Yeah, causing unrest in the Big Ten. I mean, Ohio State is winning, but they're not looking very dominant by any means. Uh, Michigan, who's come on strongly this year, is now struggling a little bit. Uh, you know, nobody is going – out for it you know yeah. nobody's running ahead of yeah. everybody else even oklahoma state who we just we teased there for for a second you know they struggled against iowa state which is a football team that no one should ever struggle against right so it, it took them i think until the the final like five minutes to actually pull ahead and and win that game so um in a 35 31 victory there for the cowboys so yeah it really is i mean after you get past uh, iowa i think is the big one everybody's talking about right now right with what what do you do with them? And it'll be interesting to see how how this all shapes up because I don't you know Clemson's not going anywhere. They remain undefeated. Yeah, Ohio they beat State, Syracuse. Yeah. yeah, Ohio State. Even if they haven't looked great, as long as they went out, they're going to be there. Right. You know, the, the Big Ten champion's going to be there, especially undefeated. Alabama, if they went out, they're going to stay in the the, the top four. Mm-hmm. So that Alabama. Thank you, Paul. That that leaves one, two, three, and so the question is, who's four? Right, and and it's kind of between. Iowa and probably Oklahoma State at this point. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, Paul doesn't have a lot of respect for the Big Ten or the Big Twelve. No. Um, yeah, Clemson. It'll be interesting. You mentioned rivalry games. Of course, they end the season every year against South Carolina, who's been terrible. But you know, he could they could totally throw Clemson's season, you know, for a complete loop if they were to somehow manage to play well against Clemson and the ACC, which we never quite know what to make of. Yeah, a lot of these conferences are having these struggles of. Well, I mean, you mentioned about the Pac-12 is, is you know, we, there's usually a handful of teams of the Pac-12 that we just sort of assume are going to be good. Mm-hmm. And Stanford, USC. They haven't Oregon. been this year. Right. It, it's it's kind of down across the board. And, and you have your your two probably teams that everybody would expect in Alabama and Ohio State. But then, yeah, Clemson being in there and Notre Dame, who I do feel like Notre Dame gets a lot of respect for, for things that they've done in the past 30 years ago totally you know there's no question about that well let's move ahead and look to next week in the sec slate that we have before us um quite a few interesting games um lsu is going to take on old miss you got a seven and two team versus a seven and three team both of these schools looking on the outside looking in on the west to be able to win that if i don't even know if they're can at this point but big win for both programs i i would think to, to be able to come out of this with a victory lsu um you know after a couple rough losses at old miss who who had high hopes going in early you know now now looking at seven and three just trying to salvage a, a solid bowl yeah and old this is an important game for old miss because although it's really really unlikely they still have a chance to win the sec west sure um if they went out and alabama loses to auburn they win they win the West. So this, they're going to come out and play. And LSU's going the opposite way, right? LSU's right. A, on fire right now and going the wrong way. The so. game will be played in Oxford, Mississippi. Uh, Brian, who you predict will come away with a victory here? Well, if they get back to the to LSU strong suit in the running game, I, I would say LSU. So I think I'm going to stick with them. I think they learned their lesson with, against Arkansas, and they, they take care of business. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I know that LSU has been down, but I think they're going to be looking for blood in this game, and they're going to prove that they belong in the top ten in the country. Right. And so I'm going to pick LSU as well. Paul, who are you thinking about? I know you're a big uh, you know Leonard Fournette fan. LSU. Okay, not a shocker. No. So uh, LSU across the board, although could easily go either way, and I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, let's look at Citadel playing South Carolina. This is a game that it will be in South Carolina. It's not a good team. They are well. They're seven and three yeah. in in a non big Power Five conference. But South Carolina's been so bad. Thoughts on that game? They have been, and you know Frank Underwood's alma mater coming to play the Gamecocks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know th- this will be their sort of Super Bowl for the year, right? Sure. But I, you can't take a, an SEC school, even I think the bottom of the SEC school, and and pit them, you know, pick them over a Citadel team. So, so you're going to take South Carolina? Yeah. Yeah, I will too. I mean, they haven't looked terrible. They played a good game against Florida this last week, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and go with South Carolina. Paul, what do you think about that one? South Carolina. Okay, again, Paul's with us. So let's see. The next game I have on the docket here is Florida Atlantic playing Florida at Gainesville. This is great how the SEC schedules you know these cupcake teams so late in the season, right? And I. I mean, everybody gets a chance, I guess, to to rest up a little bit. Uh, although, don't ask Nick Saban about that. So. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I guess we, we're all going to go with Florida, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Florida. All right. Uh, again, another situation like you mentioned, these late cupcake non-conference games. Alabama will be playing Charleston Southern in Tuscaloosa. Alabama. 
Alabama, Alabama, Alabama. Careful, Paul. You're going to mm-hmm. blow a circuit a gasket. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, Nick Saban. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't disagree with Paul as much as it hurts me to say. There's no way that Alabama loses this game at home. Charleston Southern's having a great year. Nine and one. Nine and one. Yeah, but they have not played the likes of Alabama. That's I, for damn sure. I don't believe they have either. Okay, so Alabama, no real upsets here, it looks like. Um, oh, we're going to go to um, Auburn now. Uh, Auburn faces Idaho, all non-conference games next week. Auburn 5-5, five and five, playing a bad Idaho team at 3-7 and seven in Auburn. Oh, yeah, it's got to be the Tigers. Yeah, there's no question. I'm going to pick Auburn as well. Auburn. Yeah, Paul agrees. Then we've got Mississippi State taking on Arkansas. Now, this one could be interesting because yeah. Arkansas, we don't know what to expect from these guys anymore. No, it's going to be in Fayetteville, by the way. They're such an up-and-down team, right? You have one week that, that they just look like they are an awful, awful football team, mm-hmm. and then, then they'll play good football but lose, mm-hmm. and then they'll play bad football and win. Yeah. <laughs> and like, it just... I, it's a team that's so hard to to pick, and this has been Arkansas's sort of thing the last couple of years, which is why everybody thought it was going to be a breakout year, right? That, right? that they were playing hard, but it was just missing out in these close games. Well, here's your chance. I mean, you know, they've got a chance to really salvage the end of their season. I'm going with Arkansas in this one. I'll I'll be a little different. I'll take Mississippi State. I know they're coming off of a loss. They are seven and three. They've been playing well. They've got they've got enough talent. To beat Arkansas. Paul, what do you think? Arkansas. Okay, he likes uh, Brett Bielema's squad. Hometown. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, God, Georgia is going to play Georgia Southern in Athens. So, got every single matchup here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very few challenging matchups. I, I'm Georgia. we got to go with Georgia, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Georgia. All right. Texas A&M is playing Vanderbilt in Vanderbilt, seven and three A&M versus four and six Vandy. And Vandy's been playing better, but there's no way I can pick pick Vandy to beat a, a decent SEC team. No, A&M's got to win that. What do you think, Paul? Vanderbilt, really? Whoa! Wow, Paul. Vanderbilt. Okay, I mean, he's going against the grain, and I like that, Paul. Uh, Charlotte against Kentucky, two and eight Charlotte against four and six Kentucky in Lexington. Same thing. I think we've said for all these these yeah. types of games. Almost all of them are out of conference. It's really weird, Paul. Kentucky. Okay, yeah. So not a shocker there. And that brings us to our final game. Tennessee comes to Columbia, Missouri to play the Missouri Tigers at five and five. Tennessee's at six and four. You know, Missouri's got one conference win under the belt now. Tennessee's three and three in conference. You know, it's a tough road to hoe for uh, for Missouri. So what do you think? This is a winnable game for Missouri, and this is where we're really going to find out, I think, about the Tigers because, you know, the, the Kentucky game is a game that uh, Tiger fans thought we should win. Obviously, we didn't. We beat South Carolina. South Carolina just barely lost to Tennessee a couple weeks ago. Tennessee blew out Kentucky and played hard against Alabama, beat a Georgia team but lost to Arkansas, you know, barely lost to a Florida team. So they're just such an up-and-down team. Mm-hmm. Florida, I'm sorry, Tennessee and Arkansas, they really have a lot of comparables uh, on the east and the west side. You just, yeah. you know. so, but, but Missouri's got the defense, I think, to to hold. Even without Beckner, you Tennessee, think? well, yeah, I mean, uh, we'll see next man up kind of deal there. But, oh, I mean, in terms of picking it the way I, I told myself this, and I would not pick Missouri any of the last four games, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, and then obviously we we all pretty much pick Missouri to beat BYU because of the emotions. Mm-hmm. And while I think those emotions will still be there, I 
I think that it, they won't nearly be quite as strong, and, and Tennessee is Tennessee's better than BYU. So I, I think I'm going to stick with what my head says and not my heart and, and Tennessee, although it really is a winnable game for the Tigers. It really is. Sure, and I can't argue with anything you say, but I am going to go with my heart. I want Gary Pinkle to go out a winner in Columbia. So I'm going to say Mizzou, maybe like – 21 to 17 or something like that so if they win that'll be like that kind of score missouri scores more than they usually do and we hold tennessee to under 20 points yeah i think i think the score will be closer to you know missouri putting up our standard 10 12 yeah ish every indicator thinks that they would and tennessee maybe puts up you know three scores 21 i'm reluctant to ask you this paul but who do you think is going to win this game tennessee yeah that's pretty much what i to be expected even if we were nine and one or something i would expect paul to say tennessee tennessee yeah Yeah. exactly so anyway this is uh it'll be interesting it'll be a you know what this is a far more interesting week that we just had than what we'll see next week with all these crappy non-conference games but it will have high implications for schools like alabama ole miss uh, lsu so Yeah, it'll be in Missouri. Frankly, it'll be interesting to see again with the the football playoffs is how they how they start to handle some of these one loss schools compared to Notre Dame. Sure, that, absolutely. That will be the. In fact, I'm I will I would be shocked if Notre Dame maybe this next week coming Monday they're still there, but after that, if if Iowa and, and Oklahoma State are both undefeated, forget I, about. I it. don't know how you can make the argument that. Notre Dame stays in front of them. No, you'd have to be a Catholic priest or someone who lives in South Bend, Indiana, frankly. Yeah. So, all right, guys. So uh, I think that'll do it. We've talked about all we can about football this weekend. It was an emotional one, no doubt. Yeah. And it was a huge victory for the Tigers. It keeps their season somewhat relevant. Uh, the only thing I can think of, we have a couple things. Brian, do you have a, a tweet of the week handy for this one? Yeah, absolutely. So um, love that some of our our followers, um, the listeners out there, are starting to tweet us and, and write us and send us random screenshots of your text messages that you're having with friends referencing the Mazodcast. And so this shout out goes to uh, Erica at Erica says stuff. Sure, classic Twitter. <laughs> And she says, she tweets at the Mazadcast saying, a little wholesome hot garbage is exactly what the world needs right now. Hot garbage. Indeed. And I think that is well said, Erica. Sure. And uh, that's good. And last thing we need to do before we sign off is to name our... Now it's time for Kirk Farmer's Hair, Player of the Game. So we have more candidates this week than usual for this award. This prestigious award, as we know, is named after... The flowing golden silky locks of former quarterback Kirk Farmer, the blonde yellow streams of flaxen beauty that is Kirk Farmer's hair. So, Brian, who was your candidate this week for the Kirk Farmer's hair player that will get more? Well, there there were plenty of people you could pick from, right? We could go mm-hmm. with our classic brothers because of you know the game that he had, just another solid game. You could go with Drew Locke from you know a couple of mistakes, but he stayed up there. Tyler Hunt even for you know running one yard about seven times or whatever that was. Right. Scoring the same touchdown three times. Yeah, yeah, that one. But I'm going to go with Russell Hansborough. He gets his first 100-yard rushing, I think it's his first, um, of the season. I believe, yeah. And um, looked good behind the offensive line. So it, pro- he didn't get a touchdown, but but 100-yard rushing is, is nothing to sneeze at. So. Yeah, and you know I've been really critical of the offensive line all year, and I have to give them credit where credit is due. They held 
much better this week than they had in weeks past. I hope it's a sign of things to come and open those lanes for guys like Hansborough and Witter and, and Hunt, um, who did see a lot more snaps this week. Um, I'm tempted to give it to Hunt just out of uh, body of work. Um, and he did do his job when he was out there. But I, I think you're right. I think Hansborough deserves this, especially coming off the season he's having with the injury and fighting and fighting and fighting. He had a great game. He really kept us in it. And uh, let's go ahead and, and give that one to uh, – to Russell Hansborough, congratulations on your first for the season, Kirk Farmer's Hair Player of the Game Award. Russell, you can come pick that up uh, from our place. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, tweet that out to him. I'm sure he'll be thrilled about it. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Brian, I think that'll do it for us this week. I uh, can't wait for our midweek show. We can talk more coaching vacancy talk and, and uh, talk about the upcoming Tennessee game. Until then, I'd say M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Henson is an animal lover.